Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from EO Fire, and you're listening to Elective Rotation with Pharmacy Joe. You must be prepared to ignite. What's up, Pharmacy Nation? I'm Pharmacy Joe. Thank you for listening to the Elective Rotation, a critical care pharmacy podcast. This is episode 82. In this episode, I'll discuss cyanide toxicity. I have all the evidence supporting today's show linked up in the show notes at pharmacyjoe.com slash episode 82. If you know someone who would find this podcast helpful, please share it with them. Cyanide is a rapidly lethal toxin. It causes death within minutes to hours of exposure. Cyanide inhibits oxidative phosphorylation in the mitochondria, shutting down aerobic metabolism. Oxygen supply remains adequate, but cells are unable to utilize the oxygen. Cyanide is present in low background levels in the environment and is safely metabolized to thiocyanate by the liver. The capacity to metabolize cyanide is limited, however, and just about half a milligram per kilo is enough to be fatal. Cyanide toxicity is relatively rare. Domestic fires, industrial accidents, and sodium nitroprusside are possible causes of cyanide poisoning. Fabrics, upholstery, and melamine, which is often used as a coating on shelves and cabinets, can all give off cyanide when they are burned. Cyanide is used in the extraction of gold and silver and the production of nylon. And the antihypertensive sodium nitroprusside actually contains cyanide. Cyanide toxicity may occur in patients who received prolonged infusions of sodium nitroprusside, have chronic renal failure, or in pediatric patients. Significant toxicity has resulted from rates higher than 2 mics per kilo per minute. A patient with cyanide toxicity generally presents with cardiovascular and CNS depression despite normal oxygenation. Most symptoms are otherwise nonspecific, although cherry red skin coloring is sometimes present. About half the population detects a bitter almond odor after inhaling cyanide. As with the treatment of any poisoning patient, the following four essential steps must be considered. Number one, supportive care. Number two, decontamination. Number three, antidote therapy. And number four, enhance elimination. While supportive care to treat cardiovascular and CNS depression is essential, no amount of supportive care can change the fact that the patient's mitochondria can't produce energy. Decontamination and antidote strategies should be considered simultaneously with supportive care. There is a possibility for caregivers to be contaminated with cyanide due to off-gassing. This is more likely to happen if the cyanide toxicity is from a dermal exposure and remains on the patient's clothing or skin. GI decontamination with activated charcoal is indicated in oral cyanide exposures based on animal studies, which report decreased mortality among rats given activated charcoal after lethal potassium cyanide ingestions. 
50 grams of activated charcoal can be given enterally as long as the patient is not at risk of aspiration. As far as antidote therapy is concerned, there's really only one that I would consider, and that's hydroxycobalamin. Hydroxycobalamin combines with cyanide to form the harmless substance cyanocobalamin or vitamin B12. Hydroxycobalamin is given at a dose of 5 grams IV with a half dose repeated if the clinical situation warrants it. Hydroxycobalamin is relatively safe, causing rash, headache, and a temporary reddish discoloration of skin, plasma, urine, and mucous membranes. Hydroxycobalamin will interfere with many lab tests. Most significantly, it will interfere with coximetry measurements of total hemoglobin, carboxyhemoglobin, methemoglobin, and oxyhemoglobin. This may be significant in smoke inhalation victims, as carbon monoxide poisoning and cyanide poisoning may both occur from smoke inhalation. The old cyanide antidote kit containing nitrates is no longer manufactured. To enhance elimination, use sodium thiosulfate to provide sulfur donors for the liver enzyme responsible for cyanide metabolism, which is called rhodonese. This allows excess cyanide to be eliminated. The onset of action of this effect is too slow. It can take up to 30 minutes to rely on sodium thiosulfate alone for the treatment of acute cyanide toxicity. The dose of sodium thiosulfate is about 0.4 milligrams per kilo up to a maximum of 12.5 grams. Now, here's an interesting question. Should cyanide antidote therapy be given to all smoke inhalation victims? Given that cyanide is produced as a result of domestic fires, smoke inhalation victims may have concomitant cyanide poisoning. Although the antidote hydroxycobalamin is generally considered safe, it is costly at about $900 US per 5-gram dose. I agree with the author of a 2007 editorial on hydroxycobalamin for smoke inhalation, who concluded, a call for routine empiric administration of hydroxycobalamin to smoke inhalation victims seems unwarranted until we have more data. For now, clinicians should assess patients individually and use cautious judgment. It appears reasonable to consider empiric hydroxycobalamin for victims who are comatose, in cardiac arrest, or have clear signs of cardiovascular extremis. While we should be cautious about embracing hydroxycobalamin too rapidly or too broadly for smoke inhalation, at least pending further data. Nevertheless, we should not dismiss its potential importance for this indication, nor its clear advantages as a first-line antidote for other forms of cyanide poisoning. Now, it may be possible to further identify smoke inhalation victims who have cyanide toxicity by checking for an elevated lactate and low end-tidal CO2 measurement. These two findings would be present in cyanide toxicity due to the lack of aerobic respiration. Such patients may represent a cohort that should receive empiric hydroxycobalamin therapy. Further recommendations for which smoke inhalation victims are to receive cyanide antidote treatment are likely to be based on expert opinion, as there have been no clinical trials published using hydroxycobalamin in smoke inhalation victims since the drug's approval in the U.S. in 2007. 
And according to clinicaltrials.gov, there are no other trials underway. Listeners can support the show when they shop using my link to Amazon. It will cost you no extra money, and I will receive a small commission from Amazon. Just use my link, pharmacyjoe.com slash shop, to take you to Amazon each time you shop. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you in the next episode of The Elective Rotation.